listeners, and welcome to Oscar Majors. Oscar Majors Hot Dogs. Yep, Oscar Meyer Majors, uh, where we talk about all the crazy the- things that went on. Oh my goodness, could you believe it? When mm-hmm. well, first of all, you know we know that the Oscars were like maybe a week or so ago, but all of these flubs yeah. are still on the tips of our tongues. Oh my gosh, we've been dying to talk to you about them. How Mel Gibson was kicked the fuck out of the Oscars? <laughs> was that was awesome. Out. That was good. That was the only good thing that happened. I mean, where do we even begin? That the moment where Damien Chazelle sucker punched Ben Affleck. That was fucked up. That was super fucked up. Yeah. All because uh, Ben Affleck got to kiss Lin-Manuel Miranda. No one else got to at the oh, Oscars. Always always a bridesmaid, never a bride, Liam. Mm. What was your favorite flub of the night? Oh, gosh. I, I'd have to say it when um, Samuel L. Jackson stood up and told the audience that he was the one who killed JFK. That was insanity. <laughs> who knew? <laughs> it was me on the grassy knoll. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, wait, I had a good one and I lost it. Give me a second. <laughs> Oh man, when Casey Affleck burnt his house down and killed all of his children. Wait. <laughs> wait. Uh, oh, that was from I'm Not There. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> we just rang that bit out. All right. This is, uh, this is Media Majors, a uh, podcast, a uh, storytelling podcast about major media. My name is Tom Lockney, and I'm interested in video games and the internet. Uh, I'm Liam Sr., and I like television. I also like movies, and fuck you, Casey Affleck. Yeah, fuck him. We uh, research true stories based on our preferred medias, and uh, we don't know what the other one's going to talk about. So, Tom, I believe you're starting this yes. fine, fine evening. Ooh, I'm very excited, Liam. Yeah. Uh, get comfortable. Yeah. yeah, guys, snuggle up. Are you Just listening to the loved one? <laughs> Spoon. Get out that bear rug and that... <laughs> fireplace that you've kept yeah. in your basement lie naked spooning on your hardwood floor <laughs> it was i tell you about pokemon go oh okay this is fun i like it i mean i just don't ruin my favorite thing for me as <laughs> listeners if you listen to the shman my podcast you know that i love pokemon he does on july 6th 2016 pokemon go is released upon an unsuspecting yet yes, a very unsuspecting public i was waiting since september the year before for the game <laughs> okay true but i don't think anybody knew what it was going to become uh oh god no okay originally conceived in as tinder for pokemon yes originally conceived in 2014 by satoru iwata pour some out for one's dead homies was he dead yeah dude what the fuck as well as uh, Sunikazu Ishihara, uh, Pokemon Go is an augmented reality game developed not by Nintendo, but by Niantic. Exactly. Uh, Nintendo is simply the publisher of the game. They're the money, baby. Yeah, the They're money. the greasy palms. Yeah, this Japanese country, this <laughs> Japanese company is ran, ran by this greedy caricature we cook up every time we gotta talk about executives. It's a me, money grubber. You remember me from Who Framed Roger Rabbit? <laughs> what? <laughs> Are you doing Bob Hoskins? I think so. Oh, R.I.P. <laughs> <laughs> We're not saying anything. I told oh. you I had a lot of cast juice in me so today. So tired. <laughs> nope. Still laughing. Uh, it wasn't even that fucking funny. 
No. It's just real life, man. <laughs> this is, listeners, this is the headspace that we're in right now. The game centers around finding and capturing Pokemon. Do you want me to read your story for you? <laughs> at randomly generated locations in the real oh My god, Tom, keep it together. <laughs> I am stone cold sober. And I can't fucking yep. keep it together. I'm right there with you. Okay, serenity now. Yep. We're back on track. Firefly later. <laughs> the game's... <laughs> My god. The game centers around finding and capturing Pokemon. Yep. <laughs> Is the concept of Pokemon Go this hysterical to you? I can't finish this fucking sentence. Oh my god. Alright, just grab your arm like this. Lots of pain. And just read through it. You're gonna need both hands for it. Oh, it's god. gonna be quite the maneuver. <laughs> oh, like. Yeah, pull your there hand. There we go. Yeah, just triangle yourself. The game centers around finding and capturing Pokemon at randomly generated locations in Baba the. Baba Booey. The... <laughs> 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 you motherfucker! Locations in the real world for use in gym battles located at local landmarks. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you'd go to the local fountain or whatever. Uh, <laughs> the local fountain. It's so weird how, like, yep, yeah. that's, that's what Pokemon Go was. Check out some marble butts. Check out a kid pissing water into a tub. In, in Belgium? <laughs> yeah. Yep, that's a very popular fountain design there. And you could collect, like, Pokeballs there. Or just on your walk, you'd be like, oh, f that's a fucking... That's a Caterpie. Exactly. I don't need it. I I've already got eight. I've got 20 Caterpie. Caterpie are basically just, like, living anal beads. Well, so are Weedle, but you you gotta be into some Ooh, some yeah. weird shit. Just because they're poisonous. Uh, this is all made possible using data Niantic had gathered using a previous game of theirs by the name of Ingress. Mm -hmm. It's all sci-fi horror shit. It had a similar format in that it was a trans-reality game. That means a game whose core mechanics combine the codified game elements of a virtual environment with game-related physical experiences in the real world. They took the map data from Ingress and just applied it to Pokemon Go, gave it that cutesy Pokemon aesthetic, mm -hmm. and you know, you grease the wheels to Fucktown. Uh, it's me, Greasy Pops Nintendo. Greasy Pops, it's me, Bob Hoskins. I'm so dead. <laughs> so not with us anymore. Uh, also an Englishman. Yeah, that fucking blew my mind. Because mm -hmm. I'd only seen him in the Super Mario Bros. movie. Uh, where he plays, like, the biggest fucking buffoon, New Yorker buffoon. It's one of Nintendo's most lucrative mobile properties, being one of the most used and profitable apps of 2016. Even though it's definitely poop from a butt. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. I thought it was going to be more like Pokemon Snap. Yeah. Where you would look around your phone and be like, oh, my God, this forest is covered in Pokemon. And instead, it was more like um, poop from a butt. Yeah. If we could just give our opinions about this game for a oh, second. Oh, I had fun, but it was fun for like two months. Yeah. You know, there weren't enough Pokemon. No. All the pre, uh, the post-release support was like completely fucking nonsensical. Like eliminating the paw prints that would show you how close you were to a Pokemon. One of the dumbest ideas. Why would you ideas. do that? What? 
doesn't make any goddamn sense. But it was in its heyday. It was really cool walking around and seeing everybody. You know, yeah. I lived in New York, seeing and ever everyone catching Pokemon. Yeah, there are some good things that came out of it's it. It's fucking wild. It should be best remembered as a social phenomenon with two hundred and thirty-one million people engaging in one point one billion interactions, mentioning Pokemon Go on Facebook and Instagram in the month of July alone that's it what the fuck it surpassed people on twitter in four days yeah like hey i'm lonely i am so alone i want to meet people i want to go outside and like meet a human being with shared interests we got this fucking dope pokemon thing and, and now go. I'm married. <laughs> and now I'm married. Yeah. It's a two co- Korean teenager, but, you know, he still loves me. Yeah. Calm down, everyone. He was 18. <laughs> Listen, the people in the bit, people in our bits are always of age. Yes. And boy, he fucks real good. Mm-hmm. Yep. Numerous media outlets have referred to this phenomenon as Pokemania. Uh, that's fun. I like that. <sighs> Liam is sighing, and he's sighed really sad. deeply. And I'm, I think it's one of those things where it was like, adults, you're not gonna get it. Yeah. I don't know why you're not gonna get it. It's like not that hard of a concept. Yeah, it's like it's like a sports team. I memorize all these different players, and they play for different teams. Exactly. It's yeah, and you, you know, people aren't beating their children and their wives. Like, Pokemon don't beat what? each other, but in sports, oh. all the players beat each other's wives and shit. Oh, yeah, Pokemon do beat each other. It's just dogfighting. Like, we've all accepted that it's just dogfighting. Here's how I think it isn't just dogfighting. <clears throat> do dogs that you and I know have laser beams as part of their anatomy? Well, no, but if they did, right. so you would definitely pay to see them fuck each other up. Of course. Now, do Pokemon ever kill each other? Yes. They eat each other. This is, like, in Pokedexes oh, and yes. shit. yes. In the Pokedexes, yes. But I'm talking about the modern Some Pokemon world. kidnap goddamn children. What? I'm okay with that. What? I'm okay with that. One of them creates a fuck harem. Well, that's awesome, though. Which one I'm creates into a that. fuck harem? The, the fuck lizard. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't fuck Pokemon. They're dangerous and covered in spikes. I disagree. Fuck Pokemon. No, no. Look. Chase your bliss. Be careful. <laughs> Do what you love. Just, just, just be fucking careful. Yeah. Take, take the steps. You know, you wear a condom. Poe condom. There were some criticisms leveled at the game. For example, some of the locations seem to be in poor taste. Hey Liam, ah, this weekend, mm-hmm. do you want to go catch like a Nidoran at the Holocaust, Holocaust Museum? Museum? I'd love to. Or maybe Hiroshima Peace Memorial Park. <laughs> And what's worse is the 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 only uh, Pokemon roaming around were big boys. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Took you a while. Uh, no, let's credit where credits due. Niantic uh, did remove content from those locations uh, upon request, as well as a few others. Um, some people were just kind of mad that folks were hanging around their area. Fuck those people so who gives a shit. It's so dumb. Get off my fucking lawn with your Pokemon. Yeah, why don't you get out of your fucking house and play Pokemon with us? Experience and then, and then the we'll world. Fuck. Be our friend. And then, and then we'll, we'll fucking, fucking get, get married. 
And it'll be so beautiful. Isn't that so much more beautiful than screaming at me from your porch? I think one of the most beautiful things that Pokemon Go gave us was Hillary Clinton saying, I hope... Do, is that is that on there? Did my spoiling something? No, oh. you, please go. So it's when Hillary said... Please, Pokemon, Clinton, go ahead with yeah, this story. Like Clinton told everyone she, that she hopes they Pokemon go to the polls. <laughs> and guess what? They didn't. Pokemon Go was also criticized for excluding disabled players. And I think that there's an interesting conversation to be had about that. Okay. Yeah. If you're, like, not able to leave your home because you're differently able. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. This has led to an increase in interesting incidents. Bosnians <laughs> have been discouraged from playing the game as there are many leftover minefields <laughs> forgotten from the 1992 Bosnian War. Holy shit, guys. I know you really want that. That's where they put the Snorlax. Yeah, or the Geodudes, because they all know Explosion. Wow. A Russian... Hello, Nintendo. It's me, King of Bosnia. Do we use the king? Not important. It's a comedy bit. Uh, listen. Love what you're doing. Love this sense of community. Uh, we're a country filled People with landmines. are dying. People are dying left and right trying to catch Goldines. Can you at least put like a Dragonite or a Zapdos a child's there? arm just fell into my lap. <laughs> and I miss, and the Squirtle ran away. Yeah. So two tragedies befell me in one day. A Russian vlogger was arrested and faces five years in prison for playing the game in the Church of All Saints, an act considered to be blasphemic by many. I'm not going to comment on that, but yeah. uh, no. churches churches are just buildings. <laughs> just want to say. Oh, my God. A lot of uh, brown people have been shot at and killed. Uh, I thought we were talking about Pokemon Go. <laughs> <laughs> not just the news. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Um, but no, actually, yeah, lots of people have been shot and killed while playing the app. Oh, one thing that I saw on like the, the positives of the game section on Wikipedia was like it helps police catch criminals and it was mostly like here's a bunch of black like I looked at a bunch of the news stories and they were all kind of like here's this black dude who was outside and he had like an outstanding warrant for like a minor drug felony or something like that or just like it was yeah something light <sighs> God fucking damn it. Yeah. I hate this stupid country. An alternative opening to this episode, in my mind, uh, was possibly perjury majors. An 18-year-old in Guatemala was killed along with his cousin. Tom, there... I'd like to excuse myself from doing the opening to perjury majors. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there have also been some non-brown people shot as a result of the app. Most famously, Jean uh, Chen Chang, or Chen? A uh, 60-year-old grandfather and Chinese immigrant who was shot dead by security guard Jonathan Cromwell while playing Pokemon Go in his parked minivan. Dude was just playing Pokemon Go in his fucking minivan and gets shot to death. What in the fuck? Uh, it's probably racism. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, Cromwell has been charged with second-degree murder, so his ass is going to jail. Thank goodness. Uh, there have also been several car accidents as a result of Pokemon Go. Okay. Some got on film. Okay, so here... Okay, listen. <laughs> Whoa. Listen. Liam's gonna take this one, you guys. Why are you driving and playing Pokemon Go? By the time you pass the Pokemon, you're not gonna be able to catch it. It'll be run away. So it's not good for the game, and also, you're going to hit children. Yeah. If you're going to hit children, hit them with your hands, not oh. your cars. Exactly. No. No, no, <laughs> yeah. no, 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 no. I did not listen to what you said, and it took me you a half of a second. You heard it here first, folks. We support 
child abuse. Oh god, allegedly. <laughs> uh, so let's end on a happy note. Uh, the game has been praised for helping those with autism. That's fucking That's awesome. That's good. Gender fluid groups have also lauded the game's decision to let players choose style rather than gender. That's cool. It's super cool. I'm a I'm a Latina woman, I believe. <laughs> It has helped support local businesses stationed near Pokestops. Yeah. Um, a Pokestops are these things, just, uh, you know. Items. It's just an item stop. And yeah, it's yeah. Uh, usually around cool uh, landmarks, like, yeah. landmarks, like art and neighborhood stuff. It's, yeah. it's, it's, in New York, it's all graffiti. Oh, and people would drop lures uh, oh, yeah, at yeah. hospitals so the kids there could catch Pokemon if they couldn't leave the hospital, uh, which fucking amazing. made me so happy that I died. Yeah, um, we're ghosts. It's actually, interestingly enough, increased religious participation. As many of churches, yeah, many yeah. stops are located to places of worship. Uh, fun, fun little anecdote. Our good friend Eric uh, lives near a church that's a poker stop. What and, up, Eric? Uh, they are not happy that their church <laughs> is a poker stop. We've been yelled at a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> National parks saw a huge influx of visitors who found reason to go out and experience the local flavors which sucks though because uh it's by um the the more pokemon appear in like data clusters so like a national park is gonna have nothing yeah <laughs> but like a grimy city is gonna have everything you'd ever need yeah and also several people met fucked married as a result of Pokemon Go. And found a dead body in the bay. Oh yeah, that's right, a girl found a fucking dead body! In the bay. In the bay playing Pokemon Go! I'm not really sure why people are like, whoa, that's a crazy thing that happens to people who play Pokemon Go. Like, it's it does, it's not like the Pokemon Go only appear around dead bodies. You ever seen a dead body? Uh, Like, out in the wild? Yeah, I sure, haven't. why not? Have you ever seen one not out in the wild? In, like, a funeral, yeah. Yeah, that's fucking weird, right? Yeah. I'm not gonna be a dead body. When I die, I'm, Yeah, fucking burn me up, son. Shoot me into space. Yeah, throw me into the fucking sun that would rule! Like a, like a slingshot. Yeah, I don't even want to be dead yet when I get thrown into the sun. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to be alive for that part. Yeah, it's past its, its prime. However, they've recently added 80 new Pokemon. Yeah, they did. And uh, our good friend Eric, who ca- who is still plays the game for some fucking reason i mean i played it when hey eric new hey eric hey eric hey buddy quit playing fucking pokemon go man hey, hey listen it's either me or pokemon go i'm cool with you playing pokemon go <laughs> i'm never gonna try to change who you are so that's this, friendo. that's the story of of pochamon <laughs> poshi of poshi po- the of man pokemon go liam yeah hit me with that good 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 podcast juice guys i've i'm real excited for oh. it um this story is called the audacity of richard stanley oh. and uh, before i start i would like to thank um podcast listener podcast twitter follower and personal friend of mine nisa for showing me the documentary that inspired this story so oh, shout cool. out to nisa who gets a co-research credit nisa what up what's up girl london england the 19th century all right, cool. Authors H.G. Wells and Joseph Conrad both released books right at the turn of the century that are still incredibly popular today. 1896, The Isle of Dr. Moreau, and 1899, Heart of Darkness, oh. respectively. Um, the authors were not the super fondest of each other. Authors um, rarely are. <laughs> it seems to be. H.G. Wells actually accused Conrad of ripping off his themes and, char- and the character of Dr. Moreau to make um, Heart of Darkness's Captain. Hmm. 
And funny enough, both of these movie books ended up becoming movies. Yeah. Um, you know, Heart of Darkness famously became Apocalypse Now, starring yeah. Marlon Brando. And The Isle of Dr. Monroe has been made into movies three times. I've not seen either of those adaptions. Either implies two, three. I don't know what the word for. I'm, no, no, no. Either I've not Oh, either seen... of those. Yeah, neither. Yeah. Uh, I've seen, oh, God, Apocalypse Now is great. Yeah. All right. Part one. That's right. That was a teaser. Ooh, I'm teased and titillated. Richard Stanley, born on November 22nd, 1966, is a South African film director and writer. Mm-hmm. He is a descendant from famous journalist and explorer of Africa, Sir Henry Morton Stanley. Oh, no way. True story. Hello, I'm Sir Henry Morton. Look at all this African Congo land for me to ruin, I assume. Uh, so his mother was an anthropologist and artist who wrote a lot about myths and legends of South Africa. And as a child, Richard traveled all around her and learned about folklore and witchcraft and uh, a lot of like the South African history and mythology. Cool. Um, while he was a student at the University of Cape Town, he worked in the archival department of the South African College of Music and he filmed tribal dances and initiation rituals. Yo, that's fucking lit. It's super cool. He fled to London during the South African border war. And that's when he started doing music videos in the 80s. So he did stuff for Fields of Nephilim, um, Renegade Soundwave, and one of my favorite bands, Public Image LTD, a.k.a. Pill, a.k.a. Public, Public Image Limited. Cool. Uh, it was Johnny Rotten's band after the Sex Pistols, but they're oh. much more no-wave and new-wave. It's, it's good stuff. Johnny Rotten's a fucking weird guy. Yes, he is. He's married to, like, an heiress. Yeah, that's not weird. That's just, you know, picking good prospects. But he's, well, he's, he's so anti-establishment. You think he would like? Well, dude, punk punk you know sold out I mean. a long time ago, my friend. Yeah. Like, I hate to break this to you, but like, Billy Joe Armstrong owns like three houses. <laughs> uh, Don't want to be an American idiot or really poor. <laughs> <laughs> so, also in the late '80s, Stanley traveled to Afghanistan to document the Soviet war in Afghanistan. And they witness the Soviet withdrawal and the countries slide into the civil war that will bring the Taliban to power. Ooh, bringing it so down. Well, no, he's really into, like, you know, on-the-scene filming crazy yeah. stuff. Uh, it was a 30-minute surreal documentary, but it was shot over, like, a long, you know, it's a long time to be in, in a very dangerous country. Tom, why are you laughing? Is it because of the <laughs> Taliban? No, I don't know. I think I have to get this again. Uh, all right. Good thing it's my turn to do the story. <laughs> uh, whatever I'm laughing at, whatever horrible thing he says, I'm not laughing at that. I have an illness and it's giggle fits. Stanley made his feature film debut with the post-apocalyptic science fiction film Hardware in 1990. None of this is funny, Tom. The film showcased Stanley's unique visual style. Okay. You can laugh. There's some funny names coming up, so get ready. Oh, no. And incorporated his music video roots <laughs> by including cameos by musicians Iggy Pop, Fuck yeah. Lemmy, and Carl McCoy. I don't know who Carl McCoy is. <laughs> I don't know, but he might but be. He's fucking great. I'm, I'm Carl McCoy. I'm, I'm basically, Car- I'm basically just older kid rock. <laughs> My name is Carl McCoy. Uh, it's a kid rock joke. I, I don't know if it's right because I haven't li- actually listened to a kid rock song. Neither have I. It was shot for approximately little less than a million pounds. It was eventually picked up by the Weinstein Brothers and released to the United States. Uh, hardware, I haven't seen it, but from the clips they showed in the documentary, really cool. A lot of, like, robots, but, like, no, 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 but, like, uh, uh not robots. <laughs> Again, folks, I don't know. Wasn't doing anything. It's a lot of, like, um, 
you know, uh, 90s cyber things. Whoa, well, they have the camera's tilting in or and radical. Like, look at that thing that with, like, it, it's got, like, tread wheels and, like, metal on top of it. And it's, like, a weird arm thing. Check it's it like, out. We're going to have this robot punch a horse in the dick in I, the 90s. I, I, don't, I don't think it's like that. Yeah. <laughs> Horse in the dick. Fuck yeah! What if it's Hard like, to miss, hard, bro. Hardware starring dick punching horses. Yeah, it's the nineties. I'm white and I got cornrows. No, because I don't know that that's no. shitty yet. See, this was responsible for that for the wave of like shitty cyberpunk. Oof. This was one of the cool ones. Oh, okay. It's the like machines they use in it look really cool. And then Stanley returned to his South African roots for the supernatural horror film Dust Devil in '92. A much bigger budget. He was really allowed to like utilize atmosphere he they shot in it okay he had a bigger budget he's allowed to do more artsy takes and they were in it Nam- namibia what the fuck is going on i don't know but just hold like we're almost at the funny stuff i, I promise just hold it, together. it was a little troubled in post-production but there was a director's code officially released uh, like 10 years ago so he has two successful movies under his belt, yeah. both picked up by pretty big indie people. Yeah, he's got he's got a career that he's you could dead. yeah you could die and be like I fucking did some cool shit in my life. So the next project now was throw a me into the sun. Personal passion project of his. It was an adaptation of one of his favorite books growing up as a child, The Isle of Doctor Moreau. Word. Oh, so this is the Isle of Doctor Moreau movie. Yep, that's the story. It's the third major film adaptation of The Isle of Doctor Moreau. This was supposed to be Richard Stanley's big budget opus. This was his, like, I'm here now, Hollywood. Question. Yes. Isle of Dr. Moreau is the is a story about a man on an island mm-hmm. who... Creates these human hybrid human... animal monstrosities, okay. and eventually they rise up and overthrow them. Cool. It's uh, kind of like classic, very classic 19th century science fiction. This is going to be Stanley's, like, Hollywood, I'm here now. I'm ready. I'm a new voice. You know, he's a little weird. He wears hats. He's got long, dark Whoa, hair. Whoa, that's, Liam, I'll that's show you, so Tom, weird. In Hollywood, people who wear hats all the time, it's never like a baseball cap. It was like a black Indiana Jones Stetson. Like, it was Whoa. something that, like, you'd be like, oh, that dude owns more than one um, crocodile heads like, in his apartment. <laughs> He wears, like, these black robes. He sounds like Alan Rickman. He looks strange. Okay. Yeah, that's And this a, is going to be wow. his, like, don't judge a book by... Look, that at, is a look, look at this movie I just made. Yeah. And what followed was maybe the biggest disaster in modern film history. Oh, awesome. Part two. No. Everybody dies, and then they get thrown in the sun, um, but they miss, and so now they're just floating <laughs> they're in space. They're still flying in yeah. space, screaming. <laughs> a film version of Dr. Moreau had been a long-standing dream of Richard Stanley. He spent... Four years developing the project before getting the green light from New Line Cinema. Although Stanley had envisioned, and here we go, Jurgen Pranch now in the Whoa. lead role. You know, Jurgi Pranch. That's fucking baller. Uh, New Line actually managed to secure Marlon Brando from our last Tango in Paris episode. Oh boy. They managed to secure human uh, fat suit Marlon Brando. But sometime later, <laughs> Stanley learned that New Line Cinema had gone behind his back and offered the movie to troubled director Roman Polanski. God, don't oh, throw... Oh, in like a future story, I'll do a whole Roman Polanski story. Don't throw Roman into the sun, put him in a box, and bury it in the moon. Uh, furious, Stanley demanded a meeting with Brando, who proved very sympathetic to Stanley's vision. 
mostly because of Stanley's intimate understanding of the novel and its history with its connections to Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness, which Brando was in as as a cunts. He was going to play both of these characters that H.G. Wells and Joseph Conrad argued oh, over. interesting. Um, isn't, isn't that something, Liam? It's kind of fun. So Stanley's vision was a dark horror sci-fi scape. The art was brutal, and uh, the monsters were really fucked up to look at, and they sometimes they had guns, and they were like these, like <laughs> half of their faces would be sliding off, and then fur matted fur and lots of blood yeah. and like and this, not not like a hot furry no no like no. like you these this would be the anti-porn to furries they would hate this yeah this is um it's like somebody tried to make a fursuit and then they just like gave up and jacked off well it's the, they through. like tried to make a fursuit and then thought this this isn't uh hr geiger enough cool there were some of the art that they show in the documentary these uh, these huge sci-fi set pieces that are incredibly reminiscent of Jodorowsky's Dune. I don't know oh. if you saw that documentary. I have not seen the documentary. Well, I but... learned that Richard Stanley actually appears in the documentary as a talking head. So I wow. think he was very inspired by it. It's very similar in, in the art. So with Brando supporting him, Stanley was confirmed as a director, and he was also able to recruit two more major stars. Bruce Willis was going to play uh, Edward Prendick, the UN negotiator, who ends up on the island after his plane uh, crashes, and James Woods as Montgomery, Marone's chief assistant. They started into pre-production. Uh, special effects creator Stan Winston was on the makeup and costumes and made these gruesome-looking hybrids. However, as time for principal photography approached, problems began to multiply, even before filming had begun. Bruce Willis dropped out because he had just gotten divorced from de- then-wife Demi Moore, and was replaced with Val Kilmer, who to Stanley's dismay, huh. immediately demanded huh. a 40% reduction in shooting days. Huh. He was a second major character and demanded that they decrease his amount of shooting days by 40%. That's fucking wild. Another significant setback occurred not long after with the suicide of Brando's daughter, Cheyenne. Ooh, Devastating boy. the star, he retreated oh, to his private island leaving Stanley. Wait, wait. He's Brando. Yeah, that's a good point. And then on that island, he made, in an attempt to bring his daughter back to life, a bunch of fucked up half human, half Marlon Brando's daughter. The Isle of Dr. Brando. There you go. There it is. Um, And then producers were left in limbo, as was Stanley, not knowing if he would ever even show up. The chosen location for the film was the rainforest outside Cairns in North Queensland, Australia. So apologies if I said that wrong. Cairns. Tensions between Stanley and New Line had been growing during pre-production. Stanley was kind of quirky and insular and didn't attend studio meetings. He would kind of just stay in his little hut on the island he got, not really doing anything. Uh, but then they reached a crisis point with the first few days of filming. Stanley's vulnerability to the studio pressure was exacerbated by continuing absence of his only ally, Brando. Oh but boy. then it turns out the behavior of Kilmer would prove to be even more problematic. Yay. He arrived two days late to set and had already convinced New Line executive Michael DeLuca to recast him in the smaller role of Montgomery. What the fuck? So then James Woods had to leave production and they had to recast the part for a third time choosing northern exposure star rob morrow hate actors here you're my boss i've just come onto this job hey i'm so excited to be a part of nasa 
I think that we should stop looking at planets. Also, can I get a raise and just not come to fucking work? Dope. Also, can I um, reduce the amount of time I have to be here by 40%? Yeah. What the fuck? How well, do people get away with asking for shit like that? Kilmer later attributed his obnoxious behavior to the fact that, just as filming began, he learned from a TV report that he was being sued for divorce by his then-wife, Joanne Wally. I mean, yeah, dude, like, that fucking blows, but... but... you know what? Be a professional. Uh, but whatever his reasons, many of the cast and crew have testified to Kilmer's bullying and his consistent hostile and obstructive manner during the first days of shooting. Ugh. He would not deliver the dialogue as scripted and repeatedly criticize Stanley's ideas and what little few footage was shot, shot was deemed unusable. Um, and the studio was mainly was blaming Astounding. Richard Stanley for not having Kilmer under control. But then another factor happened because um, you remember Rob Moreau, the guy they casted to replace Ki- uh, Kilmer? Yeah. Yeah, he left on the second day of shooting. Wow. God. It was There was really terrible weather, and Moreau found himself unable to bear the tension on set because everyone really hated Val Kilmer. Yeah. He called New Line chairman Rob Shea and begged him to let him go, like tears in his eyes. I was like, I, I can't do this. Um, wow. So they, fi- they let him go. and they. Oh, boy. Ha- so now... Fourth time they've had to recast this is given to David Thewlis, Lupin from the Harry Potter movies. Oh. After the third day Lupin, of building. loop out. There you go. Yep. After a third day of filming, we're on day three. Yeah, my God. New Line abruptly fired Richard Stanley. What? By fax machine. Oh, boy. The beleaguered director reacted angrily, shredding <laughs> documents in revenge. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty fucking pissed off, too. He vanished. I'm not even kidding. Completely vanished. Like, we still don't know where he is? The reasons for Stanley's dismissal were not made clear, and false rumors were spread about his allegedly erratic behavior, but the main reasons <sighs> appear to be his perceived unwillingness to deal with the studio executives and his problems with Val Kilmer, who was just fucking everything up from everybody. Stanley had been offered his full fee on the condition that he left the production quietly and did not speak about his sacking. So they were going to give him full pay as long as he just goes back to Los Angeles, tells no one nothing, and sits quiet. Outraged, uh, the female lead, Faruza Balk, stormed off set after a heated exchange with the New Line executives. After all, driving all the way back to Sydney, uh, a 2,500-kilometer drive, they're an hour and a half away from any actual town in this little rainforest. Oh, my God. Her agent told her that if she did not go, she would never work in Hollywood again. Oh, my God. So she went back. This so, is so awful. I'm oh, surprised dude. Like people didn't just burn it to the fucking ground. So... Two PAs were set to drive Richard to the airport and make sure that he got on the plane. They dropped him off at the airport, but did not make sure he got on his plane. Yeah. Uh, New Line was told he did not land in Los Angeles like he was supposed to. Wow. They tightened up security on production, but ultimately decided that they would just keep their mouths shut until after filming. So were they afraid that he was going to come back yes. and like destroy the and set? And they didn't want to, they thought that he was going to come back and sabotage the film. And they didn't want to make any announcements. And remember, this is before the internet. This yeah. is before people cared about adaptations. So, you know, no one knew where Richard Stanley was. Peace out, Dick. So, the production had to keep going. They already sunk money into it. So they needed to bring in a ringer. With the budget, part three. Ding, with the budget now ring. approaching, with the budget now approaching <laughs> seventy million. Liam's very disappointed with me. There was a pen- potential disaster looming, so they brought in veteran director John Frankenheimer, and listen to this shit. He came on board in part because, like everybody else, he wanted to work with Brando. Yeah. But because the production was so desperate, he was able to get 
a hefty extra demanding fee and a three picture deal with the studio in exchange for his services. And they let him fuck all of their wives. Except basically, he was kind of one of the old style Hollywood directors. He was super gruff, uh, very different from Stanley. He alienated many of the cast and crew, a lot of the Australian crew, because he was a white old American man who felt oh. that he knew cinema better. There it is. Super racist. And yeah, basically the only person who liked him was Brando. And they decided that they should rewrite Richard Stanley's script with Frankenheimer's, like, go-to scriptwriter, a guy named Ron Hutchinson. And production was shut down for a week and a half so that these changes were implemented. Once shooting resumed, however, problems still were everywhere. Oh, my God. Brando routinely spent hours in his air-conditioned trailer when he was supposed to be on camera, while this... actors and extras sweltered in the tropical heat in full makeup and costumes because they were mutants Ooh. in big fur suits. <laughs> yeah. I bet it added to the look. I, they show you the costumes, and it's it's not fun to look at. <laughs> They're gross. Hey, guys, I want to rub your fur. No. I want to keep just, keep, like, dunk. It'll be like dunking my hand in a tub full of Crisco. Essentially, yeah. Uh, Brando and Kilmer fucking hated each other. A fucking sexy tub of Crisco. Yeah, uh, that's Barlin Brando, a sexy tub of Crisco. <laughs> So, um, apparently there was a couple days where the cast and crew were waiting for hours because Brando refused to leave his trailer until Val Kilmer left his, and Kilmer refused to leave his trailer until Brando left his. Because they're children. Yeah. They're essentially three-year-olds. God. Um, Frankenheimer and Kilmer had an argument on set, which reportedly got so heated, Frankenheimer saved afterwards, there are two things I will never do in my, in my whole life. The first is I will never climb Mount Everest. The second is that I will never ever work with Val Kilmer again. <laughs> That's fucking good. If I was making the Val Kilmer story, I wouldn't hire that prick to play himself. <laughs> uh, Fuck yeah, max level petty. Uh, I love it. Frankenheimer also reportedly clashed with Brando in the studio, who were concerned about the direction the film was taking. And according to David Fewless, uh, everyone had different ideas of where to go. I ended up improvising most of my scenes with Marlon. Uh, and they all just kind of, like, wrote their own, um, <laughs> they still wrote their own parts, like, without talking to the director and shit, which pissed Brando off so much, he refused to learn lines, so he had a little small radio receiver in his ear so his assistant could just tell him the lines <laughs> when he needed them. Wow. Which is something that he would use in films all the time. Yeah. Wait, okay, why does everybody like Marlon Brando then? Uh, The Godfather and Streetcar Named Desire. Yeah. It's literally just because he was, like, good in a couple movies once. Because everybody's like, he's a fucking legend, but but everything that I've heard about this guy makes it sound like he sucks oh, his job he and is super unprofessional. He became a joke after The Godfather. Like, he was a laughing stock. Huh. This killed him. Oh, Like, wow. not literally, but, like, he he was not seen as a good actor after this one. Would you like to know why? Yes. Uh, Brando went Feed a little... Feed me juice, daddy. Brando went... <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick pause. I'd like to talk about the sentence a grown human just said to me. Oh, my God. You're the third in your name. Oh, man. Oh, but apparently... Uh, Marlon Brando's earpiece would pick up police signals, so a lot of the times he would just say that there was a robbery at Woolworths. <laughs> Are you fucking serious? I'm being 100% real. Oh my god. Daddy, that was some very good juice, Daddy. Yeah, good juice, huh? It gets better. Uh, one occasion, Brando told Kilmer, you're confusing your talents with the size of your paycheck. Whoa. So, Brando realized that, like, oh, this movie's dumb. Everything yeah. about this is dumb. 
So he would not wear his costume. He would wear long, flowy white robes, have his face fully painted white, and in one scene, there was a bucket, and he's like, I'm going to wear that on my head for this scene. And it's <laughs> so he in just, the movie. He just because, fucking samurai copped it. Yeah, totally. He was just like, oh, no, this is a hat. I'm going to wear this hat. And everyone's like, Marlon, that's a bucket. He goes, no, it isn't. It's a hat. <laughs> I'm going to wear it for this scene, or I'm going to go back in my trailer. <laughs> and in the movie, there is a scene where Marlon Brando just has a bucket on his head. <laughs> so, um... Back when uh, Stanley was the director, <laughs> this is part four, uh, a big part of casting the extras was kind of like what Mad Max Fury Road did. They tried to look for people with physical disabilities and physical deformities to short, sort of give like a real uh, exploitive feel to it. Yeah. You know, not exactly the nicest thing to do, but I, I get it. But yeah, yeah, yeah we're yeah. not going to discuss the ethics of it because that's not what we're here to discuss. Yeah. But it's important because one of the people who were hired was the shortest man in the world, oh, a Dominican cool. named Nelson De La Rosa. Knee um, high to a frog. Very much so. He was very tiny. He I bet was, it was an easy birth. Uh, probably. I mean, he, yeah. it looked like he. You come out and you're a, just like the size of a nickel. A, it's like <laughs> passing a kidney. <laughs> it is very much. <laughs> okay, so there was another character that was going to be played by a German actor named Marco Hofschneider. He was supposed to play um, Mai Zhai, one of the mutants that was like Dr. Moreau's right-hand man. Ah. So, on the first day, Marco Hofschneider meets Brando, and Marco is, ver is very German. He's got a thick German accent. And Brando goes, oh, you're German? I speak German. And he just says nonsense to him. And Marco's like, oh my, I'm so sorry, can you repeat that again? I, I don't think I understand you. And then Brando is like, I said, Virgi, 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 Virgi. Whoa. And Marco's like, that isn't German. Whoa. You're not speaking German. And Brando goes, uh, no, you you don't know how to speak German. <laughs> so he go, basically goes, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Oh my then God. he sees Nelson, the little guy who mm -hmm. only speaks Spanish. He goes, oh, you speak Spanish. I speak a little Spanish. Versi 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 just says nonsense and Nelson just goes see and oh, then Marlon yeah. goes I love this guy <laughs> and then he goes he points to the German actor you and him are gonna switch parts he's gonna be my right hand mutant for the entire part of the movie and now Marco Hofschneider is only in the movie for a little bit oh my god it gets better Marlon Brando demanded that Nelson would be with him in every single scene, would dress like him, would hang out with him in his trailer to the point of where Nelson would just be drunk and stoned and trying to fuck all the PAs, like, day in Whoa. and day out. Oh, yeah. Yo, Nathan, Nelson, get that tiny dick wet. There's a scene where Marlon Brando is playing the piano, and on top of his piano is a littler piano. What? Where, you know what? Tom, I'm going to show you this picture of Marlon and Nelson, and I want you to tell me what movie characters you think were made because of, uh, like, okay. making fun of this. Well, while they do that, do you think that any of the Island of Dr. Moreau monsters would, like, kiss each other? Tom, we're getting to that part. Oh, no, no, I mean, like, in the fiction. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. That makes me happy. Uh, is it possible? <laughs> Whoa, my... I can't even... I can't... Like, What? So a it's lot of people think that Mini-Me was, yeah. was making fun of this. That makes a lot of sense. Right? Isn't that weird? That's so fucking bizarre. Actors are weird people. So, you know, a lot of the mutants, the people who played the mutants, yeah. were super pissed, right, at this whole thing. Production was supposed to be two weeks for them. 
it went on for six months. What the fuck? Six months. So, and because, you know, everyone was being a bitchy drama queen. That's half of a year. They would just be on set or in their, like, in their uh, hotel trailer place. They all stayed together. So they would just... They would Get just, wasted. Yeah, yeah, they just wasted smoke pot all day and fuck each other. Mm, like, fuck. it was a Bacchanal. <laughs> it was just a pure Bacchanal. Hell yeah. So... And they already have the fucking fursuits. The PAs who dropped Richard Stanley off were fired. Yeah. But were then rehired because they needed more mutants. Whoa. Now remember. Out of the security, frying pan. Into the shitty fursuit. Into a deep fryer. Security was bumped up. And Richard Stanley had not made it back to LA. What would they do if Richard Stanley Hold had on. showed up shoot him with a gun? So the PAs were in town. And they started hearing stories about a madman living in the woods. <laughs> Hold on, hold on. Who kept swearing revenge on Val Kilmer <laughs> and New Line Cinema. Richard Stanley... Not that guy, though. ...vanished without a trace. Wow. So they decide it can't be. So they take the day off. They go hunting. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Hunting? Like... They are looking... They're no, going to no, kill him? They're going to go find oh, him. Oh, okay. Remember, they were fired because... And all of the mutants loved Richard. And then he was fired. They wanted to go find him. And eat Richard Stanley. No. Eat his hat. So they go, they find this farmhouse in Australia, (laughs) two hours outside of where they're shooting. Richard Stanley has been living in this farm since he's been fired, living off the land, trying to figure out a way to get revenge on (laughs) him. What the fuck, Liam? They find him and they go, Richard. (laughs) (laughs) Richard. What are you doing? <laughs> and then they go, Richard. Okay, hold up. Come with us. <laughs> they take him to set. What? This is so good. They take him to set. They go to the makeup department. No. They say, "Put the, give this guy a mutant suit. No. Everyone loves Richard. These are all the people that loved him. Everyone who doesn't like him is out filming other shit at this moment. Richard gets his own costume. And Tom, Richard Stanley appears in the film. (laughs) Tom, Tom, Richard Stanley was in the film. They cut, they they say cut for a scene. John Frankenheimer, the director, comes out. You. (laughs) You're doing great. (laughs) Keep it up. Back to filming. That's amazing. So this was only. That's the moment, the moment where they find the cush on your body. And your butthole kind of clenches, and you're like, the jig is fucking up. And then they pass over. Yep. So this was only a rumor for a really long time. And then, in 2014, a documentary called Lost Souls was made, in which Richard Stanley and the two PAs and two of the extras all go, oh, no, yeah, that happened. We snuck Richard in, and we put him in his own movie. Look, here's the scene. You can see him. And they show a scene from the movie, and you're like, oh, no, that's Richard Stanley. Like, that's very much, that's long-haired hippie Alan Rickman. I know that motherfucker. That's so fucking baller. Isn't that amazing? And then he made it back to L.A. Uh, The movie was a total bomb. Yeah. It killed Val Kilmer's career for a while. Killed Marlon Brando's career. The John Frankenheimer made, like, okay movies. Afterwards, Brando passed away. 
died on his fucking private island. Basically. And then Richard Stanley, that kind of broke him a little bit. I think he definitely lost a little bit of himself in that project. Yeah. He made a lot of low well, budget kind of like... The man did live in a farmhouse for... for a really long yeah. time. Yeah. For months. For six fucking months in a bar. What did he do? Did he kill the owners? Well, you remember when I was telling about how he uh, filmed stuff for Afghanistan and this in South Africa? Oh, yeah. He's just a survivalist. He just knew how to survive. He's just a fucking He nut. found a farmhouse and they were like, yeah, we'll let you live in the back barn. It was fucking nuts. Wow. And Richard Stanley, you know, he makes very low budget pictures and they don't look very good. But watching bits of hardware, there was something. He, had, he was very talented and I yeah. think that... He got a, a risky opportunity, and the 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 fortunes were just against him. I yeah. mean, studio shot the fucking bed. studio shot the bed. I mean, who could have seen two divorces and a suicide from the cast? Like that's bad. Yeah, that wild. doesn't happen. But anyways, that's the story of how Richard Stanley got back in his own fucking movie. I thought Liam, you liked that one. That was a super fucking good story, my guy. Hey, my dude. Hey, my hey, my daddy. Bitchin' ass story. Ah. Uh. All right. Well, it's time for everybody's favorite part of the podcast. Yes, it is. Not the super long stuff that you just listened to, but the bit at the end. The small bit at the end. Yeah, the, the, this is your dessert. <laughs> yeah, you know everybody likes dessert the most, but you gotta eat the you gotta eat the main course before Listen, you. You want your key lime pie sorbet. tart? Yeah. You gotta eat the asabuco first. It's braised lamb. Oh, that sounds delicious. It's very good. It's time for Self-Care Corner. Woo! The part of the podcast, because sometimes we talk about some rough, sad shit. Not on this episode. No, today we just talked about triumph. Yeah, but yeah, we just talked about some shit that light, lit up our life. Liam, you want to start us off? Uh, yeah. Um, my self-care life. I am, uh, <laughs> finally, uh, my, my, one of my good, good, good friends from, from a long time ago, very talented musician by the name of Mr. Daywalker. Check out his stuff. Uh, we've been doing pre-production for this music video, and we're shooting it Saturday. Uh, so by the time this is out, we'll have shot the music video. Hell yeah, dog. Woo-woo. It's a baller self-care corner. Also, y'all can't see this, but I got these cactus pants I'm currently wearing. They are some pretty fly $3. Threads. Whoa. Yeah, big deal. Tom, what do you care about? Today, I went to Safeway to get groceries. You know how you do. Mm-hmm. I was checking out, you know, like you do, because you, you pay for things at Safeway. You don't just steal. Yep. Otherwise, you'd have to go to a lot of different Safeways in your lifetime. Oh, yeah. And the safest way is the right way. And the cashier lady was this uh, nice older woman. And she was like, hey, you got a really good tattoo. I like it. And I was like, oh, thank you so much. And then we chatted. And I just like it when people... Hey y'all, if you want to know how to like if you if you're like interested in me romantically, if you want me to be interested romantically in you, compliment my fucking tattoo and I will I will uh love you forever. Thank wow. you guys. Yeah. So fucking much. I you mean, are the self-care corner. You really are. We're so glad that there are people start like starting to listen to us and yeah. Please spread the word, please. Yeah, we don't advertise at all. We just have word of mouth. We just have word of mouth, you know. If but hey, if you wanna, you know, advertise on us, send us an email. If you want uh, something out, follow us me at Media Majors Cast. You can email us with suggestions for your own self care corner that we might read aloud. At or me- story suggestions. Oh yeah, yeah. Like my friend suggested this one. So if you know good stories, man, send them to me. Like we've got stuff in the bank, but you know, always looking for a good one. Yeah, Media Majors Podcast at gmail.com. That's 
Where, uh, yeah, visit our website, yeah. mediumagerscast.com. I think that's it on my end. Yeah, that's it for me, too, what, everybody. What do you say we go get divorced and film a movie? <laughs> Let's do it. And as always, we'll be there for you. I don't know why.